Uncivilized Conversations. I'm your host, Gabriella, and today we have a wonderful guest on. Her name is Moni Bunny, and she's one of the co-founders of Support Staff. Welcome, Moni. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. How are you feeling today? Oh, feeling pretty good. Um, It's a a nice day out today, so I think I'm going to try and get outside and enjoy some of the weather while we got it, because, you know, Chicago is very unpredictable, and it could be snowing tomorrow. Who knows? (laughs) It could be snowing in an hour. It's been super weird. That's very true. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, I was just talking to a friend of mine about our moods, and I'm trying to get better about asking good questions instead of just the obligatory, hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I think, if nothing else, everything that's been going on, we're realizing that we are able to hold several things in our hands simultaneously. That's mm-hmm. kind of the human experience. So it's okay to be like, hey, all this stuff's going on and I feel a multitude of things, so I'm going to enjoy this moment. As far as support staff goes, if people have never heard of support staff or kind of heard of you guys, but don't really know what you're about, what are you guys? Support staff is a, well, we're a nonprofit organization, but we're a collective of current hospitality workers and past hospitality workers um, and advocates who are working alongside community organizers and mental health professionals to destigmatize mental health in our industry and to kind of break down the dehumanizing practices of the hospitality industry because we we love this community so much but we know that part of loving something is is being realistic about it and and being realistic about how it's flawed and loving it enough to want to change it absolutely i think and that's the most important thing when it comes to growth it's just like hey we love this we want this to be better especially coming from every single one of you has or is in the industry, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. In, or in a hospitality adjacent industry. Like I bartended for a really long time, but I work for a liquor distributor now. And yeah. so... Which is kind of the path a lot of us have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for support staff, what services do you guys provide? So we kind of we kind of do a lot of different things. You know, we relaunched our organization right after COVID hit last year. So we relaunched at the end of March. And with our relaunch, we uh, launched the CompTAB Relief Fund. So that was a relief fund centered around the Chicagoland hospitality workers um, because we realized like everyone's about to be out of a job. You know, I remember working shifts and if there was a certain shift I didn't work, that was like, well, that's my, like, that's half my rent, you know? And so it was just a way to be able to get cash to people as soon as we possibly could. Um, So that's kind of how we relaunched. So that was the first program that we offered. And then we, along with that, when we relaunched, we relaunched a resources page on our website because, you know, we're, we're a really small team. Like we can't do everything and be everywhere and there's a lot of these people that are that already have programs that exist or, you know, things like that. And so it's just a way to connect people with resources that were available to them um, that they might not have known would be available. So we started off with a lot of COVID things and kind of like knowing your rights as far as like, you know, eviction moratoriums and things like that. And just any sort of programs that like the city was offering or 
um, that private companies were offering some mental health resources, you know, entertaining things like or enter, entertainment, like things to keep you in a good headspace during this weird time. And, you know, that's what this was back when we thought it was going to last. I mean, we were being pessimistic and we were like, oh my God, it's probably going to last a few months. Like, you know, everyone was saying two weeks. Yeah. We're like, let's be realistic. Like, it's probably going to be a couple months. And here we are over a year later. <laughs> and all of us are like, it's insane. <laughs> we went into it like a sprint. And I'm like, this is a marathon. All of us are very burned out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Everybody's getting that point. We're like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. This is kind of the new norm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I've definitely seen it too. You guys do a really good job at streamlining that information. And again, coming from the perspective of fellow service and industry folks, like it's so pertinent for us to realize a lot of information prior to you guys, it was really hard. You have to do a lot of sifting. And especially when people are going through turmoil or a time of uncertainty, such as, such as this COVID-19 crisis, everybody was grappling to try and find sources like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. I don't know where I'm going to go. And at least personally, I don't know if you felt this or other service industry workers have felt this, but for a long time, I had put my mental health kind of on a back burner mm -hmm. when you're in survival mode. You're just, especially when you do go shift to shift and with the mentality of, well, I know I'm working this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's a large portion of what I'm going to make. And even though nothing is certain, like the exact numbers aren't certain, you know, there's a certain amount of accountability, like, hey, I'm going to show up. I'm going to make this amount of money. Mm -hmm. And I think other things in the process kind of fall by the wayside, especially within service industry, the higher the pay, the more we're willing to sacrifice of ourselves within mental health. And I think during this time, a lot of service, service industry folks were starting to, in a sense, wake up and re-realize, oh, these are my priorities. Oh, I want work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Oh, my mental health is important. Why? Is this a privilege and not a right that everybody has access to? Oh, yeah. How have you felt that in this process? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember, you know, that same thing, like having Friday, Saturday, Sunday shifts or whatever and being like, okay, I'm going to be off on Monday. So just like everything you're feeling, just shut it down, get through it. It's going to be fine. You know, just like don't think about it. And I always had to, you know, kind of like compartmentalize that way to just survive. Um, and I feel like a lot of us have to do that. But it's, you know, if if you don't work, you know, you don't make money that day. There's no like sick pay in hospitality. And all of your money is, is for the most part, coming from tips um, if you're front of house. So it it is really difficult. And, it, and it's true, you know, the more money that you make, the more of an abusive environment you will deal with. Um, and I say this as a person who has dealt with some very abusive environments, because that cash was there. And I was like, well, like, I mean, I need the money. Like, you know, I, I can't and yeah, the PTSD is so real. Guys. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and so it's, it, yeah, it just, it sucks. And so that's part of why we did comp tab because we were like, Oh, everyone's going to need money. And then, you know, after we gave away most of, or just about everything that we had in there, um, and we're trying to restart it now, you know, we were like, okay, well, we need more resources because, or more things for people, because now we're in that great pause, you know, and a lot of people luckily were able to access unemployment insurance, though undocumented workers never were and still are not able to access 
any sort of unemployment insurance, which I think is garbage because they pay more in taxes than our former president did and most corporations. But so that, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just really unfortunate the way that this yep. country treats immigrants and undocumented people and BIPOC in general. But it's, it's that kind of lack of access. But so with the Contab Relief Fund, we also like launched the Please Hustle Responsibly podcast to kind of talk to community leaders that are starting to implement the programs that we want to start to see and changes that want, we want to be, we want made in the hospitality industry. And then we just got to launch our bite-sized educational podcast, which is pretty rad. Um, so that was something we were like always wanting to plan to have just mental health education. Like we are not mental health professionals, but we do work with mental health professionals that write these um, educational programs. And with that comes like a study guide that is printable. So like we would love to see managers and owners start printing these study guides and having them readily available for their hourly employees, you know, because we don't want just to throw a bunch of terms at you and be like, what stress and then not give any sort of like follow up information or like, what is your mental health? I will tag people. I'm super psyched about this. You guys do. I mean, bite size is the perfect explanation. You guys do such a beautiful job at breaking it down so that it's comprehensible and it's not overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just something that's like, oh, this is approachable. Oh, this is stuff that if you have it all worked in the industry, you understand this. These are things that are needs and that are accessible. And if you really don't understand it, then they should definitely (laughs) read and listen to those things. Absolutely. I mean, hopefully one day we get to a point where people start to understand their mental health a little bit better and and start giving it the importance that we've given physical health. Although in this industry, let's be real, we don't even really give that much importance to physical health. Pre-COVID, how many of us went to our shifts wet, like almost dead, like totally sick and like fever or like, you know, whatever, because we're like, well, we can't call in sick. We're totally going to screw over a team. We're not going to make any money. Like, you know, all of these things. And I mean, with COVID now, no one's going to do that anymore. But (laughs) it puts this weird level of, yeah, instead of the corporation or the team, now it's like, oh, this is my responsibility. I'm carrying this. And it's almost... I feel like a lot of industry, the process of both mental and physical health, we're going through a period where we're processing the brunt Mm -hmm. kind of on both ends. Because from an industry standpoint, there are a lot of uh, social and societal pressures from the outside world. I feel like if you've never been in service industry, if you're not familiar with it or even adjacent to it at all, it is a classist issue that we're going through within COVID, especially for BIPOC. Like that's predominantly what we're seeing. And the problem that people have with making livable wages, higher income, things like that, they're not willing to pay living wages for the very things that make up their city and the culture within their city. They expect you to work for nothing because your mentality isn't and your well-being maybe isn't of the same caliber as theirs. And I think most of us, it's like on one end, I want to fight that part of people that really can't comprehend that because they should educate themselves. And then the other end of it is like, okay, well, our industry, like we're all ride or die. We want to support people we love. But I know so many people, and myself included now, I want to know the ethics of the place I'm going to because my dollars are the way that I vote and support Mm -hmm. those businesses. And I think a lot of us are like, oh, well, they're affiliated with so-and-so or they know somebody. 
And I can't stress enough the importance that I have brought to my community, the people I go out with. I'm like, hey, that staff was, you know, whatever the case may be, they are affiliated with something that's not so great or their ethics aren't in line with mine. And that's huge. And I think sometimes there is a disconnect because they're like, well, this is an industry spot. It's been open for forever. And I'm like, okay, but that's not a good enough excuse. You're in a huge city with a bunch of bars and businesses that are doing some really beautiful things. And I mean, I'll connect people to both your podcasts, but you guys are proof. You constantly are interviewing and talking with people that are just doing really fucking awesome things that there's really no excuse. We have no shortage of wonderful, talented people that are Mm -hmm. also ethical. Yeah. And you know, the thing that, that really sucks is that some of that, like you end up going to, to these businesses because you want to support the people that work there, you know, because they have such incredible teams of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what do you do when it's like a really unethical owner, and who's just abusing this this team of people. And so you're in this weird dilemma because you're like, I want to support these people. Like they're my friends, they're my community. You know, I, I want to go in and I want to tip them real fat and all that. But then, you know, you end up supporting some really terrible yeah. owners at the same time. And so I would really love to see us like hold ownership accountable. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Which is why I think during this pandemic, like the people that I've seen, I genuinely think like you shouldn't open a bar, you shouldn't open a restaurant if you haven't worked Mm -hmm. half of the positions in there. Even as a manager, I told myself like, okay, I'll be a manager, but I've been a host. I've been a server. I remember opening at Broken Shaker and our crew as a collective decided everybody spends one day in the dish pit to understand. Mm -hmm. And I think that mentality needs to be pushed further up. And until we hold ownership and management accountable, it will mm-hmm. always roll downward. Because any time you walk into a place now, you and I know countless organizations where it's like, this is awesome. I'm going to tip them fat, this whole crew, like they're all my buddies. But sometimes you can tell when the stress from higher up comes down on them and they're busting their ass for people that are still taking advantage, are still overworking them, who really don't care about their well-being, who... In a lot of situations, like I'm a River North baby as far as bartending is concerned. So we kind of got a hot melting pot. But there are situations where whether it's sexism or racism that we encountered, the worst thing I could see from a company is the feeling Mm -hmm. that they don't have your back. That if something happens, I'm supposed to hold myself accountable as opposed to them for disrespecting me or disrespecting Mm -hmm. a coworker or to mitigate a situation. And there is something to be said about keeping calm in a situation. However, it comes from ownership to back up their staff to say, Hey, this is wrong. We're not going to tolerate this and nip that shit in the butt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of like, I'm also a river North baby when it comes to bartending. You know, I got my, my start at Sable at the hotel Palomar, which now are, are closed RIP, but (laughs) It's 
it, it is, it's weird, you know, man, I miss those days, but also those days were really weird. Like in certain, it, it's, it's weird because in, in certain neighborhoods in the city, like River North, for example, those are a lot of places that people want to work because they know they're going to make money. They're always going to be busy on the weekends because you have everyone who doesn't live in Chicago coming into Chicago and, you know, wanting to party their faces off, but you're going to make money. But the, th- the thing is, is like, it really sucks when all of like your paycheck is tied into what the day that somebody else might be having like it's this whole like get the guest is always right mentality i hate that mentality i truly truly do because as as much as we want to be hospitable and we want to be like open and we want to create these like wonderful experiences for people i mean that's part of the reason why i stayed in hospitality after i graduated college and like didn't try to pursue a career within my degree is because I I did love hospitality and I loved creating and I loved making someone's day. But when ownership just continues to let their staff be abused by their guests, like not just by ownership or by management or by the people that actually work there, but like by the guests, they don't set that expectation of like, you are not going to treat my people like this. Like, this is unacceptable because we are creating a warm and welcoming environment for you. And if you can't respect that and respect the people that are creating this experience for you, then you don't have to be here. It sucks because I feel like unless more and more restaurants start kind of banding together and and setting this as like a standard for everybody, it's going to be really difficult to change, you know, And, and it sucks because we're kind of in a time where this is the time to set that standard. Like we're all like people are operating at, you know, a 50% capacity. So there are plenty of people to come into your places because you're operating at a a small, like a a minimized capacity. And so it kind of should be those things of like, if you can't respect the, the people that are creating your experience and the people that work here, then someone else will take your seat that can respect those people. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's such a simple principle, but for some reason hasn't been executed. Like that, that genuinely is my concern because again, something as simple as, Hey, I stand with my Mm -hmm. staff. It's just, it's such a simple thing, but it keeps staff on. It keeps staff happy, which makes them work better, which probably gets them better tips, which gets you better business. So it would really, it would behoove you to do something like that. Um, but going back <laughs> to support staff. So obviously you talked about a little bit of the holes within the industry. So I assume, is that kind of why you guys went into it? You're like, I see holes within this industry that we can kind of help alleviate Kind of. So support staff kind of came from a place of really extreme pain. So about two years ago, um, we, myself and Christina Magro and Laura Kelton, we had had like a summer. It was, it was real bad. Like, you know, we were all mentally struggling and uh, Christina and I had unfortunately had to close a bar that we both worked at that Christina actually ran. um, And it was really, really emotionally difficult. At the same time, we were seeing all of these people within the industry that were losing their lives due to various reasons. But one of the the main things that really hit us the most was a a friend of ours that, that was really, really close to Christina and not as close to Laura and I, but he ended up taking his own life. And it was it was really difficult. Um, you know, this was someone that we, we knew and we loved and seemed 
like he was just an all around awesome person. And to see him struggle that much, and no one knew what to do about it. And then, and then after that, it was seeing like our friends coping with it in really difficult ways. And like, we were also coping with it in really hard ways, like drinking our feelings and just not really talking about it, shutting down, throwing ourselves into our work. And all three of us had always had all, always all struggled with our own mental health challenges as well. You know, I've had mm. depression and anxiety most of my life. Um, I started getting, you know, anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I started getting panic attacks when I was 20, I think. And, you know, I didn't really have a ton of tools to deal with it. I had been in therapy a little bit. Um, and so we started kind of talking about, you know, all of this stuff that was happening and, and, you know, what was, what was going on and, you know, how, like, I personally had an experience with a therapist that like, I mean, I, I dealt with the family issues and she was fine with that because she could wrap her head around family issues. But when I needed help with work issues, she couldn't really wrap her head around that. And, and it was a lot of like, well, it look, seems like you just kind of got to quit your job. And I'm like, well, that's not really an answer like that I've gotten that before I'm like that's not a viable yeah option. and and so we also were like okay well even if people are in therapy like are are they going to get these therapists that just don't understand anything about the hospitality industry so it kind of started as like a bridging the gap between mental health and hospitality um and it was brought on by this competition that the Tahona Society put on called the Collective Spirit and it was a sustainability competition. And so, you know, there was like environmental projects and things like that, but we competed for the US. It was a global project. And so we kind of decided, how are we going to talk about sustainability in the hospitality industry if like we can't sustain the human beings that run this industry? And so that's kind of where it started as a way to just kind of figure out to like to create this space where we can destigmatize mental health, where we can kind of create an, an industry that let people feel okay being vulnerable and saying like, hey, I just need some help or I'm really struggling right now. And how can we work through this or connecting people with resources. Because while this was all triggered by a friend who unfortunately com completed a suicide, like that is one of the most extreme crises within mental health. And the more we started talking about it, the more we were like, well, how can we help address some of the root causes of this issue before it even gets to that point? Let's not even let our friends get to the edge. Let's help them out before they get there. And that's kind of how it, it started. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, I am a broken record about this, but so many things within our society and upbringing are just going into damage control. And it's just like, well, can't we do things preemptively <laughs> to prevent in the first place? And you guys are a beautiful organization that creates a safe place because we can talk about, you know, you could post up a picture about mental health, you can write a thing about it, but really it's, we're lucky to have safe spaces and we need to learn how to create more of those safe spaces so that if someone is going through through something at work, we have ownership, we have management that says that's more important. Mm -hmm. You know, something's going on with your family, something's going on with your mental health. That is 100% more important than this right now. What can we do to help you? Yes, service still needs to go on. Yes, we still need to do our jobs. But there is a level of complacency that we have slowly shifted the bar further and further when it comes to service industry that I think a lot of more desk or nine to five jobs would think of it as extreme. 
Like my mom, I love her. She worked for a non-for-profit for quite a long time. And sometimes she has to do events and she would be so exhausted after mm-hmm. she did those events and coming up to it, it would stress her out as well. And then after it'd be great, but she would rest. And I thought about it and it wasn't until COVID that I really stopped and realized, holy shit, that was my every day. The events that some people do sometimes when you're put in such a social situation. And I didn't really understand how to socialize outside of work too. It was almost like everything was glommed into one. And I became, it was, I call it like on. You always have to be on when you talk to people. And I'm just like, dude. It's exhausting. (laughs) I'm very sociable, but I go home and yeah, I'm like, "Eh." I mean, it's just putting those priorities in place. Like that's even just talking about this, but you guys are also working alongside actual mental health professionals, Mm -hmm. which is huge, especially if people don't have access to therapy or they're paying out of pocket because they don't have insurance, which a lot of these jobs do, especially now. Yeah, it was was really important for us to work with um, mental health professionals because again, like we're not like we like to refer to ourselves as like mental health advocates because we're like, well, we want, we're going to talk about mental health and we, and we want people to pay attention to their mental health and, and work towards becoming in a, in a good space in your mental health. But you know, we don't have the answers. We're not therapists. We don't know. And so we definitely wanted to make sure that we had at least a few people that we worked with to to really be writing the content of like our education. And then also like, you know, hoping that they can kind of bring this this style of thinking into actual mental health space. So that way more therapists can start paying attention to hospitality folks, you know, like, it's really annoying. And because I feel like some of us thought we were in in a better space. Like I know, when I started bartending, it was kind of like when you know, mixology had like first started coming out in Chicago. And, you know, the idea of like the known bartender (laughs) was like starting to become a thing. And it was weird because it was you were hearing like, what, what do you do? And you're like, I'm like this, you're literally at my job right now. This is what I do. And they're like, no, no, no. But like, what do you do do like, you know, and you're like, this, this is my job. So You know, and so hospitality is like, and we were kind of coming into a time where bartenders, or at least like cocktail bartenders were starting to gain a little bit more respect, which is a whole other like messed up thing of like class structures within our industry as well and different privilege levels. And like, Laura, Christina, and I are fully aware of the fact that we have a lot of privilege in this industry, but where we worked and all these other things. And so we were starting to kind of believe that that our jobs were being respected more, they were being taken more seriously. And in some instances, maybe they were, but as a whole, as a whole hospitality community, um, with all of the varying levels of privileges and all of the different jobs within hospitality, um, you know, COVID really like, like slapped us in the face with that of like, nope, it hasn't really gotten any better. And people still don't see your job as a real job. And they don't take it seriously. Like we see this when with stimulus packages that weren't really like addressing hospitality at all, or with the even even the COVID vaccine distribution, like the fact that hospitality workers were not in that first group of people that were able to be to be vaccinated is crazy insane to me like i just i couldn't believe it because these people were advocating for bars and restaurants to be open again while not even trying to make vaccines available for the people that were working that were putting their lives on the line every single day to serve someone a beer you know like 
So you you see all these things, and now with like that was the epitome of a classist problem. Oh, completely. You know, and it and it really like brings to light of like nobody respects this industry as like a real career as a real like way for us to to make a living and like we like this like a lot of us are in it and our lifers because we genuinely enjoy it and we are doing this service that people have asked for like there is a demand for but it's not being respected at all yeah it's respected in the sense that people idolize it because it is such a like that was mind boggling, but unfortunately not surprising. The amount of people that are like, we want you to stay open for me so I could drink a bunch of stuff, but like, I sh- you don't deserve livable wages or to be protected from a vaccine that I clearly don't care about your health or well being for mm-hmm. was absolutely insane. And that the trauma bond is a perfect way to put it because I've had some of the best in work experiences, but I think that also is a huge part of mental health because it is traumatizing. Because on one end, you're like, oh, I hate some of these things, but th- we're in it for a reason. Like I genuinely love this industry and lots of parts of the industry, but it wears on you when the world, again, yes, I am privileged within this industry. I am fortunate for the experiences and the places I've worked and the connections I've made. But as a whole, this industry is looked at in such a lower light than other what other jobs outside of the industry And it's so problematic and you see it because your therapist can't relate, but genuinely that's what it comes down to is there is a total disconnect. You know, there Mm -hmm. are like cousins I've seen or run into. I'm like, you have no idea. And they're just like, I don't understand. This is your job for now. Or why don't you just leave? And it's like, well, there's certain things I love most likely because I probably make more than you. I get to make my own schedule and I do Mm -hmm. like socializing and I'm not by nature someone who could sit for several hours. You know, so there, there is that give and take just like anything else. But for some reason, we're constantly fighting this idea that we're legitimate, which is super weird considering it's one of the most legitimate industries and lines of work. Yeah. I'm, I yeah, mean, this industry... That takes a toll on your mental Oh, totally. I mean, this industry employs so many, so many people throughout the world, you know? And then it was also kind of like another like weird little slap in the face. And I say this as a person who's hospitality adjacent. I I do recognize like I don't work active shifts anymore. And I and I have moved over to the distribution side at the time being. But like when all of this is going on, and you're also seeing these groups that are supposed to be advocating for restaurant, I mean, ideally for restaurant workers that have all these power, like I'm just going to say it, the Restaurant Association, they like what you saw them advocating for was not the protections for workers, they weren't advocating for federal, you know, aid to independent bars and restaurants, you know, they weren't activate advocating for extended unemployment insurance, and um, things like that, they were advocating for, at least in Illinois, to for Illinois to lift these COVID restrictions, and just let restaurants be open again. And you're like, you are one of the most powerful lobbying organizations for restaurants, in the entire country, and you are choosing to use your power to advocate for businesses making money, as opposed to workers and independent businesses trying to just stay alive. And it drove me nuts. (laughs) Not only is it annoying, but it was extremely detrimental. Because like you said, it was a choice. It was a choice they specifically decided to use their platform to do those things. And as a result, 
all of us industry workers are like, all right, I have to fend for myself. You don't give a shit about my well-being type. I need to restructure where my priorities are because you clearly don't give a shit about Mm -hmm. me. Therefore, my standards have risen. And do you want to see like the fallout that we are seeing now? People are hiring like crazy and people are like, fuck you. Absolutely not. You didn't give a shit about my well-being. I'm going to get fully vaccinated before I ever get back on your staff. Or people are saying now like, oh, it's open to you now. It's like, why weren't you advocating this from the get-go? Because your numbers would have gone up. That's, again, if you are completely artless and you have no care or say in their mental health or well-being, yeah. it's still detrimental mm-hmm. to your business. And their panic, when they act in panic, as opposed to intellectually, it's going to really backfire. And we're starting to see it. And Maybe this makes me sound petty, but I'm just like, yeah, that's what you get. (laughs) That's you made a decision and ethical companies and ethical businesses that are locally run that have been supporting their staff this whole Mm -hmm. time. Their numbers are going up now. Yeah. I mean, we see so many people that are hiring right now because everything's starting to open back up and they, they can't find people to hire to save their lives because, because now luckily and i hope that this remains like it seems like the hospitality industry as far as like workers go have are like we're not going to deal with this anymore and i love to see that because the more hospitality workers come together and say we're not going to deal with this dehumanizing practices like you have to be better in order for you to employ anybody like if these restaurants don't have anyone to employ then they they have to to change their practices you would think or you hope yeah that's how it changes i mean if there's enough people that won't work for them or do that unless they do change their Mm -hmm. structure like that's the only way unfortunately it's like well hit them where it hurts you don't make enough money you can't hire on and and like to be fair because i i i so feel for for small independent restaurants because it's it is really difficult to be an owner of a very small like place and and so for the most part, like a lot of my anger is is at is kind of directed at like the bigger hospitality groups that do have all of these these resources that they weren't really using properly. But but it also shows that like as far as like in government and like legislatively, like there are no protections for hospitality workers at all. Um, and and so it it does suck to because you you want to hope that people are going to just do the right things, it's the right thing. But it is also hard because I know a lot of independently owned bars and restaurants that had to reopen that didn't necessarily want to reopen. They kind of had to because they were like, like if we don't reopen, there's not going to be a place to open, you know? And we've seen so many like, yeah, I mean, the government's just like, Yeah, the government on a larger scale didn't give them anything. Their quote unquote small business grants for people did not actually go to small businesses, which is also very frustrating. It's like, oh, these are going to huge conglomerate corporations and all these little businesses are fighting. So that's, I totally get that. For you to reopen, like when you're getting pushed and it's like, we're going to go out of business. That's not who I'm after. I'm after huge groups that yeah. It would take nothing for them to make a slight change. There are so many people that are hustling constantly and doing huge steps. And what we need is people from high up, from corporations, owner, president, vice president. We need to see them taking what they mm-hmm. consider to be just tiny steps. Yeah. And and you want to hope that people are going to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. But at the same time, like, you know, as as a species, humans 
prove time and time again that we sometimes need people to hold us, you know, to law in order to do the right thing. So I'm like, I wish that there were laws written that were like, no, you just can't, like, you just have to provide these protections. You just have to do this because this is just the law and like, that's how you operate. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like an ethical, okay, so ethical, inclusive companies and businesses, what does that mean to you? What are you looking for in those businesses and how do you implement that in your own? We're looking for a lot of, you know, like the human element, like empathy and, um, you know, like no one's perfect. We are certainly not perfect. We've made lots and lots of mistakes. Um, We've learned from lots of mistakes that we've made. (laughs) (laughs) Which is helpful. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's more so of just like, like empathy and, and caring and compassion towards the people that make up your business and not being so consumed by your bottom line and money to make you start, you know, continue these dehumanizing practices and, and for places to, to let people be vulnerable, um, and to, to hold that space for them and to, you know, let people be who they are, want to work with them because of that. I don't know, like I always say, I'm like, there are things as far as like having a, a, like a diversified staff, if you will, is like, okay, well, are you expecting people to come in with like a bunch of experience? Cause like who, think about who are these people that have had the opportunities to gain all of those experience? Or you're, are you hiring people because of personality and like because of who they are as a person? And then you're teaching them all of these things, you know? And as far as like with ethical leadership from ownership, what I want to see is I want them to start you know, setting spaces with like very clear intention of like, these are our things that these are services that we've provided for you. These are ways that we're taking care of our employees. Um, these are ways that we're supporting our management. Um, and then when, when managers get hired, cause like most of the time when, when someone's becoming a manager, they're like a bartender or server or some or a, a line cook or a sous chef or something. And they're, they're kind of coming into these positions of leadership without any sort of training. And I'll say this from experience because I didn't have any sort of management training um, and like just how to manage people when I became a bar manager for the first time. And so there were a lot of mistakes that I made. There were a lot of things that I had to learn because I didn't, I wasn't given those tools. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's definitely on ownership to get, make sure that their teams have the tools to succeed. Um, and so if you're promoting a bartender to your bar manager, beverage director position, like, okay, they can make really tasty cocktails. They can do inventory. They can do ordering, like all that stuff. Cool. That's great. But like, have you given them any tools to be able to manage people? Like any sort of like leadership tools? Like what? Like what happens when someone comes to you with like a sexual harassment claim or a discrimination claim or something like that? Like, you know, if you don't have the tools to address those, which a lot of times, um, you know, people that have come into leadership positions in our industry are not given those tools, like that's not okay either. And like, you might have the intentions of doing good, but you might do a lot of damage. And again, I say this from experience, (laughs) like I wish I had been given like, leadership tools. I wish I had been given like HR, you know, I wish someone would have explained labor laws to me and like what is and isn't right, you know, because a lot of times employees have no idea what their rights are. 
And management sometimes have no idea that they're exploiting their employees because they don't even know the laws. <laughs> yeah. And I would like to see that whole we chef mentality go away and the like brigade system of, of like hazing and like I got hazed so I'm gonna make sure you get hazed like no just because we had to suffer through something doesn't mean somebody else has to like isn't the whole point of evolving is to make it better for the next generation like I don't think that hospitality I would love hospitality to change in my lifetime but it's like most of us are doing this now to set the next generation up so they don't have to deal with the shit that we had to deal with (laughs) yeah it was crazy too, even like the switch. So I had served and then I went into bartending and I remember seeing the shift because there would be people that like now respected me and there's like a certain kind of caliber that came with bartending and they would treat servers like absolute. Sh- and I was just like, you couldn't do what they do and they may not be able to do what you do. Like you are a team in this. Mm-hmm. If you guys are fighting, like you both already lost the argument. I d- and there was such a class as the, even within, mm-hmm. like just internally. And it's crazy because management should be taught those things. Because if you have a manager coming on that was a bartender and has that mentality towards servers, it shows. Yeah. And their servers, like the turnover rate, you are on the same team yeah. mm-hmm. after such and give proper education. Because so many times there are handbooks and they tell you like, these are the things you can and can't do, especially if it's a big corporate place. I would love to see that yeah. book. I would love to see something that's like, here are the things we're doing for you. You need to do these things for us, but here's mm-hmm. the things we're going to do for you. Yeah. And like, I want HR to be what HR was supposed to be. And like looking out for employees and their rights and their protections, as opposed to just looking out for like the company liability. You know what I mean? Like, it's all like company liability. Like, what can we, what do we have to do so that way you don't sue us? And it's like, that's not what HR was created for. Like that was, it was, it's supposed to be looking out for the employees so that way they have somewhere to go. Um, so they're not dealing with a person that is like their boss that could fire them when they're making a complaint about their boss, <laughs> potentially, or, I mean, yeah. yeah. And I would love all like, as far as like ethical um, and inclusive companies, I would love for all positions of the bar and restaurants to be treated with respect. Like you said, like servers get treated like shit, barbacks, bussers, like, you know, dishwashers, prep cooks. Like I want, there, there are so many different, there are different positions and they all do different things. And one thing is not more important than any other thing. Like it all needs to work to come together as a whole. And so it's like, I just want that community like mentality of like, we, we all have this purpose here. We all are creating this experience since we all deserve to be treated with respect. Absolutely. Because if you teach your staff those rules, you won't have to reiterate it. It'll just be, this is the way we work. We're all on the same page. Either fall in or fall off. That's it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. (laughs) So if people want to get involved or get like give back to the community, get involved within support staff. What can they do? Yeah, I mean, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of things. Like we we like to collaborate with people um, because, like again, I said, like we are a very small team. We don't have the the most bandwidth in the world, and so um, and there's no point in reinventing the wheel if something's already been done, you know. And so we really love to be collaborative, and we love to. Um, you know, work with organizations that are kind of within the same scope. So that way we can all 
um, like amplify each other up um, because this is a conversation. These are conversations that need to happen a lot and they need to happen by a lot of different people. Um, so any, any, if like people can send us like resources and things, or if you're part of an organization that you think like a collaboration would be really cool. Um, we're, we're open to that. Um, but also I would really love people to, to share our resources because we can't do everything. And that's why we have that resource page up. And I always, worry that there are not enough people that are looking at it and also like using those resources for themselves. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, as far as that and like, you know, I, w I would love to see um, restaurants get involved by taking the education that we're putting out because we try and put as much stuff out for free as we possibly can, which, you know, does get a little hard being a nonprofit and always having to fundraise as well. <laughs> um, yeah, like for having for bars and restaurants to take those those study guides from the Bite Size podcast, print them out, keep them at their their bars and restaurants for their, their teams to access whenever they want. Yeah. And as far as like any sort of like donation fundraising, like, you know, if you have contacts outside of hospitality that, you know, maybe someone has been fine this whole time and they want to donate or their bar regulars and, you know, people that have counted on hospitality workers to be there and to create those, those great experiences for them. Like those are the people that we want to reach to donate because a lot of hospitality folks Absolutely. have donated to us. And like, it's awesome seeing hospitality folks donate to us and be like, this is great. But at the same time, like, you know, all of us are in this weird, vulnerable position. And like, we really need people outside of hospitality to do their part if they re if they want to go to bars and restaurants yeah. again. <laughs> so, yeah, it just comes down to percentage, mm -hmm. too. If a lot of industry folks are donating, but for them, it's like it's such a larger percentage of what their income is. And if for larger organizations or corporations or people that are able to donate or looking for places to donate, it's, it would be very minuscule for them yeah. and much more attainable. Exactly. Especially people who have, who have been financially fine this whole time. Like there's a lot of industries that people never lost their job. They were able to transition to working from home really, really easily. Um, and these people all still went out to bars and restaurants and, you know, are the people that are demanding people be open again. Well, if you want that, like, Start advocating for these people. Start advocating for people to get vaccinated. Start donating to these causes that are trying to to move the industry forward in a healthier way. Share the word, and yeah, if, and and it's more so just context. If anyone listening to this is an HR professional and wants to approach HR from a an employee first standpoint, you know, info at, at pleasehustleresponsibly dot com. We would love to hear from you. Um, give us suggestions, feedback, like. We're, we're not perfect and we want, we want honest feedback because if we're doing something wrong, if we're doing something that's unsafe, we want to know and that's the only way that we can grow and get better and get safer. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Also, I'm going to really quick also plug the fact that um, we just, we're about to start peer-to-peer -peer support sessions on Zoom. And so those will be at 2 p.m. every Monday. If you can't make it to some, that's totally okay, but it's just a space where hospitality workers can kind of process a lot of this trauma that that we've been through over the past year. Um, those are free, so please sign up. And uh, we also have our therapy consultation forms open with our director of educational and therapeutic support services, DJ Watson, who's amazing. He will schedule 
like little 15 minute um, consultations with you and help you get connected to a therapist based on your needs, what you're looking for, and, you know, have some like sliding scale options as well. So please use those, those services. <laughs> Absolutely. And I will also be tagging them. So if you want to go to Please Hustle Responsibly on Instagram, Moni Bunny is on there as well. You can go to Uncivilized Conversations and I will tag all of those guys so you guys can get the info. Well, Moni, this has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so excited for the things that you guys have coming up, both you and the other co-founders of support staff. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Um, it was awesome chatting with you.